Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Beatitudes, we have this list of blessings that Jesus dishes out for the context of the Christian life. And I must say, as I poured over this passage this week, and as I read through it, I'm reminded of the ways that this text is often mishandled and mangled into this long, impossible list of things we must do if we are going to get into heaven. But as much as these words can certainly convict us where we fall short, their primary intent does not end there. That is not the goal of these words. That is not their purpose. Rather, Jesus is speaking here a comforting word of gospel in this sermon that is chocked full of future promises that invite all of us into present joy. You see, you're sitting here where you are right now for several reasons. But among them, I'm willing to bet that you, are, that you fall into one of these two categories. You are either beaten down by the world or you are vexed by your own sinful flesh and you have a troubled conscience. Or how about both? That about covers all of us, yeah? Well, take heart because Jesus has a word for you to cling to today. He began his ministry at the end of Matthew chapter 4, as we heard last week. In the early goings, we see the light of the gospel increase as he preached repentance, as he preached the kingdom of heaven. And the light of the gospel increased as he called people to follow him, including four of what would become his 12 disciples, who we know as the 12. And as crowds began to join in, he took many of them to a mountain where he sat down and continued to reveal the light of the gospel through his teaching. And the very first thing that came out of our Lord's mouth was this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A seemingly simple statement, but it doesn't get any more profound. If I were there, I would just hear that one sentence and I would be blown away. I probably wouldn't get anything else out of Jesus' teaching because I would just be mulling that one sentence over and over again as I have all week. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a woman who was beat down by the world. She was a widow living in the Canaanite town of Zarephath with her son. She was gathering sticks near the gate of the city with plans to go home and eat her final meal with her son before they would die of starvation. But in her time of greatest need, the prophet Elijah crossed her path as he was fleeing from a tyrannical king and his wife. Elijah asked her for something to drink and then something to eat. And she confessed her need. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. All that she had, she intended to use for her and her son's final meal. But Elijah was God's prophet. Elijah was called to speak a word of God, a word of comfort from the future. The blessings that God lavishes upon those who recognize their need and call upon him. 
He told her to make a cake for him and to make something for herself and for her son. And the promise that he gave her was that her jar of flour and that her jug of oil would not run out. And it was so. Later, the widow's son died of an illness. Again, she was left with nothing. She was poor and destitute, without a prayer. Until she cried out in desperation, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. You see, her circumstances had once again rendered her completely dependent upon the mercy of another. Although she did nothing to contribute to this hopeless situation, all it did is it served to remind her of her complete spiritual bankruptcy, her desperate need for a blessing from God himself, some type of word or some type of saving action from God's perfect future brought into her present brokenness. Elijah stretched himself out upon her son three times and cried to the Lord for the life of her son. And his prayer was answered as the boy was brought to life again. Blessing and salvation had come to the widow's house and it gave her true faith in the God of Israel. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 23, there was a man who was vexed by his own sinful flesh and troubled in his conscience. He was a thief hanging next to Jesus on a cross. And as he and the Son of God hung there dying, he came to understand the wages of his own sins. He was a witness to the sinless Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. He saw the way in which Jesus interceded for those who were crucifying him. He saw the suffering servant who did not open his mouth to defend himself. He watched the dignified way in which Jesus accepted such a shameful death on behalf of the world. And it crushed him. He realized that he didn't have any righteousness of his own to bring before God, that he actually deserved to hang upon that cross, while Jesus did not. He didn't have a prayer, but he offered one up anyway. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If there was ever someone who needed God's promise of blessing, if there was anyone who ever needed God's saving action, it was this man. He was as desperate as they come. His final breath was drawing nearer and he had nothing to show for his life of crime. He only had a date with his judge. He didn't have much time. He didn't have anything at all. Only desperation. Only need. And that's exactly where Jesus, like the true and better Elijah, does his best work and brings the promises of God's future to bear on the present. Jesus said to the man, truly I say to you, today 
you will be with me in paradise. To the most undeserving, to the one who deserved only judgment, to the one whose sin stank to high heaven, came the promise of heaven itself simply because this man expressed his complete dependency and his utter incapability to earn anything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How often do we use that term, blessed or blessed, as a throwaway word in our Christian subculture? How often is it used as a hashtag for our recent vacation or for the material prosperity that we enjoy? I don't mean to be disparaging. God does intend to give us all that we need to support this body and life. And he gives us everything that we have out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. We do enjoy many what I call small b blessings on account of which we should thank, praise, serve, and obey God. But what is Jesus getting at with his beatitudes when he says, blessed are those We must not confuse these capital B blessings with all the rest. When Jesus says blessed, he is here speaking about eternal life and salvation, the very kingdom of heaven, the reign and rule of God in Jesus. When Elijah brought blessing to the widow's house, he brought salvation and faith in the God of Israel. When Jesus brought blessing to the dying thief, it was the kingdom of heaven that was promised. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I tell you a story? There was a buddy of mine who I used to play in a band with throughout high school and early on in college. We were roommates together for a couple years in a dumpy old apartment. We'll call him Jake. Jake used to listen to Pantera and drink Keystone Light and smoke Marlboro Reds. He doesn't smoke anymore, but he still listens to Pantera. And hopefully by now he's upgraded to a better beer. But Jake knew that I was a Christian and he would ask me about it from time to time, not very often. I was in my late teens and in my early 20s, and any of the questions that he had, I probably gave really terrible answers, really half-baked ones, even though he had these earnest questions, and he did want to know things about the Christian faith from time to time. But I also have to confess that my moral witness to him wasn't all that great. I, I was not a model Christian by any stretch, but I was a good friend to him. And I often prayed for him and for his salvation. I deeply wanted him to know Jesus, even though in the back of my head, I I fear that that might never be the case. We went our separate ways in 2008, but we would keep in touch from time to time. We would would usually text each other to, to vent about the cowboys. Nothing has changed. Or we would talk about the latest music that we were into. We could still call each other anytime and expect the other one to answer is that type of friendship. Fast forward to February of 2020 and we get together in Huntsville, Texas with our old bandmates to relearn some of our old material and to have fun and to catch up. 
And by then, Jake, like most of us, had had a wife and he had a kid. But something wasn't right with Jake. I could tell that when we were together in Huntsville, that something was off, something was happening, something very serious. We all tried to make plans to get together again after that. But what happened in March of 2020? COVID, right? The COVID's, uh, COVID shutdowns, uh, it impacted everything. And all of those plans that we had went out the window. But out of that, I actually began to um, renew and rekindle my friendship with Jake. And we actually began to text on a regular basis and talk and catch up. And through this communication that I had with him, I learned that his marriage was falling apart and he didn't know what to do. And eventually his marriage would end for good. But somewhere in the middle of all that, there was a Christian at his workplace, a man who was one of several people working under Jake. And this Christian man was actually witnessing to my buddy Jake. On top of Jake's marriage falling apart, COVID had caused such a financial strain upon his company that he had to lay off several good people. One of the people he had to lay off was this Christian man. And so whenever Jake went to lay this man off and he handed him the pink slip, this fellow Christian took the pink slip from my buddy Jake and he said, that's okay. I know that my Lord Jesus will have something for me to do. Just that simple. And my friend Jake looked at him and said, tell me more. The world had beaten down my buddy Jake. He saw something in this man. He saw an anchor. He saw a hope that was not shaken by any of the circumstances of this life. And he just knew that he needed that. He was desperate. And this fellow Christian told him about the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jake became a Christian. I was able to do a weekly Bible study with him over the phone during all of 2020. In 2021, I got a phone call from Jake. His dad, who had smoked his entire life, had contracted COVID, and he wasn't doing well, and he wasn't going to make it. Jake was there at the hospital in Corpus Christi with his siblings gathered around their dying father. Jake didn't know what to do or what to say. His dad could hear him, but he couldn't respond to anything. He could hear everyone, but he was just, and he had his eyes open, but he was just unresponsive. Jake asked me if there was anything from the Bible that he could share with his dad. And I gave him some words of comfort, words of gospel. I gave him some passages that have a great gospel message of comfort to cling to whenever one is dying. And after his dad had passed, I asked Jake how it went. How did it go with your dad? And he told me that he shared those scriptures, he shared those words with him, and that he prayed with him constantly, but he was unsure of the state of his dad's soul, seeing that his dad couldn't respond. And I told Jake that even in this, he could throw himself 
upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus, who tells us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So just like the disciples on that day gathered around Jesus on the mountain, here we are doing just the same. In church, our Lord has come to us to bring us His blessings, His comfort from the future, fully realized in heaven, here, now, on earth. He brings us His Word and His sacraments to we who are made desperate by the madness of our world and we who are polluted in our consciences, our consciences that desperately need cleansing. Whatever your present struggle, whether it's the circumstances of your life or whether it's your own personal sins, let those things drive you to the Lord's table where He promises you that you will be filled with His righteousness, that you will be satisfied. Let those things press you to remember and cling to your baptism where God marked you as His own, where He brought you into His family, made you His own dear child, and gave to you the heavenly kingdom. And may you take Jesus at His word, which He has sent me here to tell you now. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. In the name of our Lord, amen.